The intro. Doo, 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 doo. BeastNet is brought to you by James Safety Services. Here we discuss all things fitness, running, rucking, endurance, obstacle course racing, and more. Welcome to the BeastNet. Hey everybody out there in BeastNet land. Today on a special episode, you got Brother Boggs talking with Virginia Nicholson about Go Ruck and some of the upcoming events that she's got, as well as training offline while the world is shut down. How you doing, Virginia? Hey, pretty good. How about you? Uh, I'm doing real well. Just got done with the uh, Rock and Roll Virtual 5K. Got pretty Mike out there carrying 30 pounds to offset all his weight loss. And, uh, you know, we're just going to keep going while the world's shut down and not let our training fall behind. How about yourself? I actually just finished um, a rucking fit ruck workout, um, two miles with about 38 pounds in. And then the kicker of it was the overhead step-ups, front rack step-ups, back step-ups, thrusters. And yeah, those get ugly really quick. (laughs) Yeah, there's a a lot of things that you can do when you start uh, taking your rucksack and doing the different workouts with it that'll beat you down real quickly <laughs> yeah that's another statement lately um so, for the yeah. list for the listeners who who don't know who you are since uh we do have mm-hmm. some new listeners coming on these days um kind of give a, a second just kind of tell us remind us who you are yeah um so my name is virginia um i am a mom of three live up in everett um i'm an engineer by day and then i got into ocrs about four years ago um, Spartans, Warrior Dash, things like that. Um, first OCR was Warrior Dash. And then my first Spartan, uh, was a hurricane heat back to back with a super because apparently I didn't know what I was doing. And I thought that was a great idea, which it wasn't. Um, and so I've been kind of doing it for four years. And then about two years ago, my husband did something called Go Rec Constellation. And he came out of it and he said, you know, this is something kind of like your Spartan hurricane heat. I think you might like it. And just my bad timing says, hey, that sounds like a great idea. I'll sign up for a 12-hour event and a four- to six-hour event back-to-back and just hope this works. Um, and so that was kind of my introduction to GoRuck was to do a 12-hour tough and a light back-to-back. Um, and so I, I've gotten into GoRuck. Um, that's been primarily my focus for the last year. Um, last year, I really went into it a little bit deeper and did – to what's called HTLs, so heavy, tough lights. Um, and both of those were about 48 hours long with a little bit of breaks in between. And then I had this great idea to go and do the Tahoe Ultra. I want to say it was six weeks after an HTL. And so that's kind of how I finished my year last year. But I've really just gotten into this ultra endurance side with GoRuck and mainly just GoRuck now. Uh, you said you, you finished off the year with the Tahoe Ultra. Um, just because... Yeah. Just because I know how tough that course was, why don't you give us just a, a couple minute synopsis of your experience um, there? So let let me just say this. I it was probably six weeks prior I did um the nine eleven heavy tough light. That was during the Seattle Beast weekend. Um and during that weekend, unfortunately, I injured my shoulder pretty bad. So I went into Tahoe having a little bit of a shoulder injury. Um I had been told that Tahoe was easier than Spartan Kimberly. So I was like, all right, maybe I've got a shot at this. Um, Tahoe this year was, I think we had all four seasons in a race. 
Um, I remember getting there and just the altitude was insane. Um, and to me, it turned into a wrecking course. It was, I, as, as racing open, which is all I do, I only race open. Um, I said, you know what, I'm not going to be the fastest one out here, but I can go. Um, the climbs seemed like they never ended. Uh, we got to the top of the ultra loop and got snowed and sleeted on. Um, we came back down, we're getting rained on, the sun came out. We went back up and had, I want to say it was an hour and a half delay after the second, after the sandbag carry. So that was really, really tough. Um, that, everybody started cooling down and all of your ultra racers are going, we still have time hacks. We need to get going. And that was the hour and a half delay for the lightning storm. Was that, uh, what shut that you down right. up there? That was, yeah. Yeah. We had, there was lightning and thunder in the area. Um, right prior to that, we were getting hailed and sleeted on. I remember going to the barbed wire. Um, it was of, of the Spartans I've done, including some of the cold Seattle ones. That was by far the worst. Um, I will say they cut the end of the course by like two and a half to three miles by the, by the point we finished because there was so much of a concern of cold and weather, basically. So I think yeah. that ultra ended up being 27 miles. But anyone who finished, you earned every bit of that. It was really, really tough. Uh, you've done the... Did you do the 2019 Seattle Super, the one where they had over 200 did not finishes? Yes, I've done and that one. Um, that was rough. That was really rough. Yeah, that one, uh, that pretty well did me in last year. Um, I think I actually still came back and did the, the sprint the next day, but I was uh, I was hobbled. <laughs> yeah, I went, I went into that one. Um, Knowing, let's see, that was in April, and I knew I was going into my first heavy tough light at the end of May. And so I kind of came into that one saying, hey, I know that Seattle sucks. The weather is horrible every year. My goal here is to get through it with a good mental state. Because I was pretty sure physically I could do everything there. Um, it was more that mental test. Because a lot of the stuff to me ends up being just as physical as it is mental. And so I, I did, I raced that course. I flipped things off that I hated. I, and, but I, I came out really well, like attitude wise, um, and came back and ran the sprint the next day and actually had some fun with it. So yeah, yeah the, but Seattle, you're right. That was just brutally cold. Um, I talked with people who raced Seattle and Tahoe previously and, and they kind of weather wise put them kind of on the same level just because the winds that were whipping through Seattle this year. Yes. Can, uh, a couple of years ago, Tahoe, I guess, was a, a wind and ice event, but this year wasn't wasn't quite as bad as far as that went. Just had the four four seasons for you. Well, well, I will say that we were at the top of the bucket carry, and I want to say it was the second lap. It was I can't remember which lap it was, but I saw a sign get blown off the mountain because of how bad the wind was up there, and that scared me to death. Being on top of a mountain on the bucket carry and just watching this sign get thrown off i mean it was it, it was a it, it was a wake-up call to make sure that you knew what you were doing <laughs> that uh yeah that would definitely freak you out i can't uh, imagine being <laughs> up on top of like the the four thousand foot climb at montana and having the wind blowing so hard that it blew the signs away that'd be that'd be a scary event that's, to watch that that's basically like it that's the how it was wow um, and, I, and i hate heights so that was worse but yeah <laughs> 
Now, were they nice and they put the uh, A-frame up on top of a big hill like that for you just to really get you? No, we had the A-frame down in um, the Olympic Village, thankfully. Yeah, so... But no, our ultra loop was actually taller than the bu- bucket carry. Um, and we were carrying sandbags up the loop and then you had to come back down and do something with them. And yeah, it was bad. It, you had you saw a lot of ultra runners just really questioning what they were doing about around the ultra loop. And that was only the first lap. That so. sounds like so much fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so for the listeners hey, you're gonna out do there, Dallas, and we're going to, we're going to get you out. We're going to do Dallas and Dallas is nowhere near bad. Okay. Uh, that's what I was going to say. Mike and I were talking about it today. Um, the, the ultra looks like it's going to be in this year in 2021. I was kind of mentioning that I was thinking about pushing it off till 2022 because we lost this season of racing. And, and he said, he reminded me, you know, we may have lost the season of racing or at least the first half, but we haven't lost the obstacle course at his house. We haven't lost the park across the street for rucking or carrying weight or, um, Honestly, I've, I'm going to freak people out one of these days and carry a log over there just to scare them. And, <laughs> and yep. you know, we, we didn't lose any of that. We only lost the Spartans, which is where we tested in a group setting. But, I mean, we still have the Olympus. We still have the tire flip. We still have um, rope climb. We still have, uh, I think it's a seven-foot wall and a couple of different uh, monkey bars. So it's not like we actually lost anything. So we can still practice and train and, and get ready. We just don't have the number of Spartans in between to test our training and make sure that we're truly ready for an ultra. And, you know, and I can tell you just from my experience on the ultra, I think, yes, a lot of it is definitely physical, but it's also a very mental thing too. Because if you see something you don't like the first time or you have a problem with it, you know you're going to see the second. I, I actually encourage people to do ultras, to do an ultra. If you've done a beast and you're comfortable with it, train up a little bit and do an ultra. Do something like Dallas because I'm telling you, like the sense of accomplishment after that is, is just huge. And yeah. I, I honestly do believe that anybody, if you just keep up your training, you can do an ultra. Now, this, you might do a this... burpees, but you'll do an ultra. Yeah, this year um, with the spring races getting canceled, they went to a fall trifecta for Seattle, which that's all three of the all three Spartan lengths in one weekend. Plus, they have the trail. So this this year, I've signed up for all four races in three days. So if I can get that done, I'm pretty sure I can I can probably get out there for an ultra. Uh, You can definitely do an ultra then. You can do all three. Yeah, and last year Mike was finally able to to complete a, a trifecta weekend in Hawaii. It may not have been a pretty one, and his his feet may have looked like a hamburger, but he got it done. Yeah, I remember hearing about that, and I was watching him because I knew it happened the year before. So yeah. yeah, it's it's tough, but you know what? You learn a lot by some of those failures and by some of those things that just don't go as planned. That so. is true. When when things go awry, that's when you definitely learn the most about yourself and about what your capabilities are. Right. So uh, let's talk about uh, a little more about rucking since uh, you've kind of become a professional rucker more than an OCR person this year. And uh, I, I, you know, I still consider myself a rookie in certain things, but I guess after two years, I can't say that as much. Well, and, and every time I turn around, every time I see you, even at, God, what was it, the, the bubble race? You're out there rucking the, the bubble oh, race. <laughs> that was a terrain race terrain race um me and some buddies who were getting ready for an event decided to do all of terrain race 
with between 30 and 40 pounds in our rucks and an 80-pound sandbag. Um, yeah, that 80-pound that bag was no joke. <laughs> no, it wasn't, but it was a lot of fun being the only woman in that group of uh, with three other guys carrying just over half my body weight at the time. Um, and some of the looks that we got, they're like, why are you doing this? You're like, we're training for something bigger. Don't worry. It's all good. Uh, so yeah, it was fun. And we're going to do it again this year. If we can find a race to do it at. Yeah. This year it was so. looking like it was going to be a lot of fun with the, uh, the muddy dash and terrain race being down mm-hmm. in, down at Gray's Harbor, which is a much, much more challenging and fun course than, uh, right. the, than the, uh, Monroe Speedway. Uh, Monroe Speedway, yeah. I, I didn't really, I mean, it was interesting. I just didn't really understand doing a, a, a mud yeah. mud run at a speedway, but to each their own. You got to well, use no what mud. you got. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was probably the cleanest race I did all year. <laughs> <laughs> I will agree. That was the cleanest race I think anyone did all year. Yeah. But it's so also you, a good intro for people. It, it is. And that's, uh, you know, unfortunately with the Warrior Dash, uh, folding about a year and a half ago now that was another Mm -hmm. really good cheap introductory race for people i'm still holding on to hope that the uh, rugged maniac down in portland will still happen granted that's only five weeks away so i'm not too sure it's going to happen unfortunately the world has got some strange disease that's causing a lot of issues yeah definitely um uh, hopefully that doesn't affect uh, i know you've got a, a real big uh challenge coming up in september right right um so to kind of preface it go Ruck yep. has kind of their two biggest events that they'll do during a year one is called selection and it's patterned after special forces assessment and selection um it's 48 hours long the pass rate's like less than one percent of people actually finish this um and then last year they introduced something called team assessment which is kind of one step down from that but you pair up with someone else and you complete challenges for 48 hours. Um, and once again, it's kind of patterned on that special forces assessment side of the team assessment side. Um, and so that right now is pretty much the only focus I have. Um, and it's coming up September 17th. Yeah. Unfortunately, think, because, because of the, the Seattle weekend, Seattle weekend is the right, the weekend right prior to it. And I cannot race at all. It yep, that's me. what I was just going to say is it, it ruins Seattle for you. Yeah, I'll be there with my daughter, but I won't be. It'll be the first time I'll be at a race um, and not racing. So I'm not you sure gotta, how this is going to work. But I'd Make a good opportunity maybe to volunteer and, and get some credits towards a future race. That never hurts. Yeah, yeah. Um, We're gonna, I'll wait and see how it goes. Now, are any of yours big enough now to, to do the full course yet, or are they still on kids' course? Um, All of mine... Our still in kids course. My oldest just turned 13, um, but due to having autism and hydrocephalus, running the adult course probably, yeah, he's still a few years out before I put him on the adult course. Now my 10-year-old, she's been doing the two-mile now for two years already under the radar, and gosh, she loves it. She thinks the two-mile is the best. She thinks the one-mile and half-miles are way too easy now. <laughs> so I'll That's have awesome. her. I'll have her out there when she's old enough doing a sprint. Um, she actually wants to do a light, a Gurukh light with me this year. And yeah, I've kind of, I've been making her, a light is about four to six hours and you carry about 10 pounds in your ruck plus water or whatever. 
And so I've had her doing some training works with me recently to see what I think about her being ready for it. And I, th- I think she can do it. Yeah, that's what I was just so. going to ask is what the, uh, what the actual definition of a light was. Does your business need first aid, AED, OSHA, flagging, or other safety training? James Safety Services is your one-stop shop. Find them on Facebook today at James Safety Services WA and ask for a quote on hosting your training needs. Now, when you're when you're out rucking, I guess uh, the thing that a lot of people don't know is that you're not just marching for four to six hours. There's other other aspects oh, no. to it. Did you want right. to explain some of that too? Um, so that's actually kind of the the fun part of a Gurk event. So they you start out with you meet up with everybody, you kind of get your stuff situated, and then you have what's called the welcome party, which is doing physical training with a ruck on. Um, so you're not just marching. You're just not walking forever. Um, so you'll get the welcome party at some point. And then you'll have coupons. And the coupons can be whatever the cadre or the leader decides they want to bring. Um, I've had coupons where it was three 100-pound sandbags chained together. Um, I've seen multiple 80-pound sandbags. I've seen inchworm sandbags where you had to line up very closely together and carry this weight for, you know, for however long they thought you should carry it. Um, so I like jerry cans are things that you have to hold by the handles to test your grip strength for miles and miles. Um, you're carrying a lot of weight. And the thing with a Gerwick event is you're, you're quickly figuring out how to work as a team in most of these. So it's really, you know, it can be really fun. It can be really interesting. And it can also be really trying because you're kind of forced into this event with people that maybe you don't know. Um, and, you know, you're getting some stuff done. Now, there are events, though, where it is just walking, and those are the star courses. Um, and those, you pick your own team, you show up, you're given a list of checkpoints, you get them done, and you come back. That's straight rucking, and those are a lot of fun. They're, they're a great way to see the city, actually. Um, and kind of talking about what's going on right now with everybody being shut down, GoRuck has actually made it accessible for you to create your own course and go out and ruck those miles and on your honor, you know, order these patches. And so a few weeks ago, my husband, um, as kind of a support, trying to help me train because he knows that I've got to get some miles in during weeks, he actually created a 12-mile course for me. And so I left out like probably noon one day and went and covered, it was like 13 and a half miles. Um, the weight requirement on this is if you're under 150 pounds, you carry 10. If you're over 150 pounds, you carry 20. Because of what I'm training for, I carried 30. But, yeah, loved it. It's a great way to get out. Well, training for the team assessment, you probably always want to overcarry right now so that when you get into that assessment, you're able to carry right and, uh, and perform at a much higher level. Yeah, team assessment right now um, – it's, it's been interesting because the way I've been training, you know, before the shutdown, I would train two days once at um, my work gym, and then in the afternoons I'd train with a coach and some other guys at another gym. Um, and a lot of that was just building the strength I was going to need, and now that everything got shut down, um, training took a little bit of a different turn. So, yeah, I've actually upped my ruck weight training to – we did a hike the other day. I went up using 40 pounds for a mile and a half and came down with 50. Um, and that's kind of my max right now is like ruck weights. But yeah, you do want to overtrain. You want to carry a little bit heavier because I know when we get to the event, my ruck will probably weigh around 30 to 35 going in. 
with your your water, your safety, your nutrition, yeah. etc. Yep, yep. We have a very distinct packing list. Um, it will mostly this will be live streamed, so people will be able to watch what's happening to us. Um, but yeah, we have a very uh, detailed packing list of what we got to get in and what we have to have with us. Um, so my partner who lives in Texas, you know, we train, we use the same training plans for the most part. Um, and we check in every day, you know, Hey, what you doing? Is this a rest day? What are you getting done today? Are you doing mobility? Are you rucking? Things like that. That's awesome. Um, again, I'm just all over the place. Who knows? Maybe I'll cut this back into order, but, uh, your shoulder injury last year. How how was it coming back from that? I know I saw over and over again, and and you're you're really struggling with that because it seemed that the the nerve ended up kind of getting pinched, and no matter what you did, yeah. it didn't want to work out. Yeah, um, that um, and one of my trainers, Barrett, would, is, man, he's seen me through a lot of it, but it was one of these things where we did a lot of overhead presses during the HTL, and at some point something pinched and I went to my chiropractor after about two weeks of having numbness down my arm, couldn't figure out what was going on and something wasn't right. He did an adjustment. Nothing helped. Uh, Ended up seeing a sports medicine doctor who did a ultrasound of my shoulder and said, Hey, okay, you did pinch a nerve in here. He gave me some uh, steroid, steroid cortisone pills, not an injection at that point. Um, And I had a lot of physical therapy but at the same time, we also knew at this point I'd signed up for team assessment, and this was in the early days of it. And so I'm still trying to train my legs, and I'm still trying to do all the stuff, but while working on shoulder mobility and making sure that that nerve does not stay pinched. Because uh, what I found out later, one of my doctors didn't really tell me this up front. He said, had it been any worse, he's like, you would have been out for a year. It was that serious. And I, I never knew it. it was that serious at the time. Yeah, any worse, and they'd probably have to go out there and open the canal up or something to loosen it. No, he he didn't think it was surgically that bad, but it was just one of these things where it was going to take um, injections, he thought, and uh, basically a lot of time off. So. Yeah, unfortunately, that's what I'm looking forward to with my wrist right now. Um, at the end of last year, I fell and tore the triangular something rather cartilage in my left wrist. And it makes it so that I'm unable currently to put any actual pressure on it. So any workouts that I do or anything, I do a lot of legs and I'll do, I can only do modified push-ups, burpees. I can only do one arm right now. So I've been working on different ways to to work around it. But uh, right before the world shut down, I had multiple appointments to go and do Seattle, get it operated on, and then hopefully be able to run Montana. And both of those got shut down as well as, unfortunately, uh, you know, right now I'm going to be waiting. We're just going to do a cortisone shot for now um, if his office can open up next week. And then after that, uh, we'll schedule it whenever it happens. Yeah, and that's, that's the, and that's the other side, that mental side I mentioned, you know, wanting to get back into it, but having to really think about what you're doing and doing it smart. So, yeah, yeah that's that's been the the real kicker. We did the uh, the Spartan virtual workout uh, with Brandon and Brian Kays, Jody, a bunch of us down at a park. Uh, what was it back in February? And I, I'll be honest, I really struggled with that one because I was trying to find ways to do modifications where because there was there was crab toe touches, there was um, uh, come on the burpee before the burpee. Um, mm-hmm. 
drop down to the push out, kick out, come back up. Essentially a burpee, yeah. but with a push up. The half, but, yeah, the half burpee. Yeah. But I mean, they had that. Right. They had all sorts of stuff that required me to use my wrist. So I, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out ways around it. And at the time, we had uh, Andrea Britton with us who had a fractured arm. So she was also trying real hard to figure out ways to to do modifications. And, and we got it done. Maybe it took a little longer than the rest of the group, but but we got it done. And I think that's that mental side that you keep talking about where it doesn't matter how we do it. We're going to get it done. Right. And I guess, too, from my perspective, uh, normally I'm the smallest in a lot of these, some of the, like, the heavies, which are the 24-hour events. Um, I'm typically the smallest too. Yeah, you're so not a not a very big person. Mentally, <laughs> yeah, I'm five four. Um, and right, you know, and I openly when I post about it, I'll post I'm like, hey, I'm like I'm five four. I'm 138 pounds when I weighed in today, and you know, I was just carrying like today's plan was to carry 100 pounds for three quarters of a mile. You know, it's it's stuff like that. It's it's building up that mental side to go, okay, I've done this in training, so I can do it later. Um, and let me just say one thing about team assessment too. This is this year is different. This will be the first year there's a female division. So there is an open division. So men, women, anyone can compete in that one. Um, my partner and I are competing in the female division. It's the first year they've had this. And so we're really excited because, you know, we're looking at it as we're going to go out there and do everything we can. And hopefully by us training up for this and some of the people we know and maybe even seeing what we do out there, they'll think, all right, you know, if they can do it, then we can do it. Um, and so, yeah, we're really excited for that part of it too. We're, it's going to be a really interesting dynamic and see how the, how it all goes down. Yeah. I look forward to watching it and uh, hopefully recapping it with you in September. Um, hopefully by then yeah. we're allowed to, to do things together. Uh, Mike and I have pretty well, yeah. We, we bought a lot of the equipment to set up an actual recording studio and set up some remote recording equipment. And then the world shut down, so we couldn't do anything with it. So maybe we'll get a chance to sit down and actually talk in person and, and record some video and have an actual fun conversation in person instead of uh, on the phone 60 miles um, away from each other. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, with the world shutting down too... Um, I know a lot of people probably noticed that as soon as everything shut down, buying fitness equipment was next to impossible. And yeah, I can say one thing that has like saved me right now and is having sandbags I've acquired over the past couple of years and rec plates because having, you know, 60 pounds of rec plates and then having a sandbag, say I've got 45, I've got one that's 60 to 70 ish right now. It's closer to the 70 mark. And then I've got an 80-pound sandbag. And the combination of stuff that you can do in your home or, you know, just walking around outside, you know, right now, I mean, if I, when I train, I'll train sometimes on my own. And then sometimes I have my kids running around with me. So just the amount that you can get done with a very simple set of equipment can be amazing, too. Well, that's that's what a lot of people haven't been thinking about is, they're, oh, I got to go buy some, some 30-pound uh dumbbells i gotta go buy this i gotta go buy that you know a lot of cases almost everybody's got a bucket at their house right you can throw yep. some dirt in a bucket you got That's you can true. throw some dirt in a bucket and all of a sudden you're able to go out and, and carry a bucket i tell you carrying a 70 pound mm -hmm. bucket for a mile is a workout <laughs> yeah so i mean for for us team assessment training um 
I mentioned that I've been working with a coach, Barrett, um, for the past uh, year and a half. It's almost two years we've been working together. Um, and he writes a lot of my programming, but we also get some of my programming. Um, another big chunk of it actually comes from a guy who just finished selection last year named Alex uh, through the Rucking Fit website. And he has a great program already written up for people getting ready to do a light or a tough. Um, and we incorporate a ton of sandbag and ruck movement. And so like every week, you know, you have four to five miles to cover in any given plan or up to 12, depending on what plan you're on. Um, and so just that has been huge. And to me, I mean, for team assessment, I mean, and I think you probably saw, I, I openly posted about this a couple of times that when I had to start working from home and I could, I wasn't allowed to go into the office anymore, I mentally started to struggle because I'm thinking, how in the world am I going to continue to train my butt off for a 48-hour endurance event when I, you know, we're, you're, you're not able to go out as much? And well, we were, ta- to, we're, we were so, talking, yeah, we were talking and beforehand, you know, now you're, you're, essentially a, a stay-at-home mom working and having to teach three kids and on top right. of that you're trying to to get yourself in peak physical condition for a 48-hour event with no access yeah. to gyms and, that, and don't get me wrong my husband is a huge help if i'm on a work call or something you know i lock myself in another room and my kids will go to him my husband like let, let me just say this. Have he, has he not been, like, supportive of this? There's no way this would happen. Um, so I don't think sometimes he gets the credit he deserves. But, yeah, being a working parent at home has a lot of different challenges that I never expected because I didn't do it all the time. And then trying to also stress on the nutrition side and the training side um, and not overtraining because you have more time on your hands now. And with me, I'm like, okay, I have more time in my hands. How can I squeeze in an extra run or an extra ruck or something like that? And that can be a big problem, as I found out recently. I saw that uh, one of our, our partners, uh, Brianne Showman, out of Arizona, did the same thing. She's been you know, working from home and, and working a little bit mm-hmm. in her office, but she's been training a lot more than usual posting a lot more online workouts yeah. and uh yesterday she posted a picture of the boot that she's in for a couple of weeks trying to get her uh, ankle back in shape because she overdid it yeah i mean right now my training um if i'm doing a two a day i will train i'll get up still around three in the morning and i'll train from three ish to five fifteen or so um i'll grab a quick shower i'll be logged on to work at, by five thirty, and then by around eleven you know, even kind of back for the kids, I need to get out of the house. So I'll go run or ruck about two miles, two to three miles between 11 and 11.30. And then I work until about one thirty-two, And then I'll train again from two-ish to maybe four or so in the afternoons, kind of outside with the kids in the yard. The afternoon training sessions go longer because I'm, to be perfectly honest, I'm interrupted with the kids stuff where, hey, can you help me do this? Or I need to help get my bike and do this or something. Um, but I can still manage two weeks. So I, I ended up like with all my rucking and running at like 25 hours in a week, and it was a little bit excessive. But we're right now, because of everything getting pushed back, um, Alex programmed in two deload weeks. So we're not going as hard as heavy, but we're still getting in the work for sure. 
Yeah, and all those range of motion and presses and everything that you have mm-hmm. to do with your ruck. I mean, just the yep. people don't think about it. Uh, a lot of times training for just regular training, you don't do a lot of lifting over your head. And just doing that or even laying down and doing you know, lifts with a pack or a, a sandbag, you know, just laying and doing a reverse push-up. I'm sure there's a name for it. But mm-hmm. uh, doing doing those kind yeah, of presses. Yeah. Yeah. Just doing those, your your body is moving in ways that you're not used to. And if you don't practice that enough, uh, you can easily take yourself out. Well, and then doing sit-ups with a ruck in front or doing um, butterfly sit-ups with a 40 to 60-pound sandbag on you. Stuff like that. You know, It's going to challenge you in different ways because sandbags are such uneven loads. You're now using muscles sometimes that maybe haven't really been worked as much. Um, I know yeah, for me, some of the smaller muscles. The, yeah. So I like power cleans. I've had some issues in my forearms that we've had to address because trying to get my power clean, my power squat clean for an 80 pound sandbag and get it clean enough has been really a challenge. And so the more you do, sometimes you can upset your arms. Um, but yeah, it's just working through stuff like that. It's taking those mobility times. You're taking a lacrosse ball, taking a foam roller or whatever you can do, um, and making sure you're working mobility every day. Um, my training partner, Casey, my partner for team assessment, I should say, you know, she's been big on yoga and I finally got into it. I'm like, all right, I should have been doing this months ago. So I do yoga five days a week after a workout. I do, you know, just it's everything you can do right now. And then also making sure you're getting enough rest. Um, and then eating enough too, because you're burning so much. You're, stressing your muscles so much, how do you eat enough to maintain it and to not get yourself into a dangerous situation? Yeah, that that's uh, definitely a smart point to bring up there, the nutrition side of it, because if you're not following a proper nutrition program, you can easily overwork muscles and create additional fatigue. Yeah, that was one of the things that Barrett first had, Barrett and I first had to really discuss was I've honestly always been terrified of gaining weight. Because when I was in my 20s, I was actually 150 plus pounds at one point. And I was terrified of gaining that weight back. And when he at one point said, hey, you need to be eating upwards of 3,000 calories in a day, I had a panic attack. I was like, there's no way. I'm like, no, just no, I'm not doing it. And as soon as I calmed down and understood that the amount of work I was putting out in a given day needed that nutrition side of it, it got a little bit easier. Um, oh yeah, I with your workouts, and say with your workouts, right. you're probably burning, you know, three thousand to four thousand calories at minimum. So if you're not eating that, you're going backwards. Um, if I'm doing a hard two a day, I'll burn around thirty two hundred, according to my Fitbit. You're know, not going to debate how accurate that is, but it's it's giving me an, an idea. And then I track everything else with my Fitness Pal, um, and I've been on something called the Vertical Diet for quite a while, and this is just something that's worked for me. Um, it's kept me on track and, you know, allowed me to build muscle without, I don't know how you'd say it, but not, was not like not actually gaining a lot of weight. So I'm putting on muscle. Um, I'm still staying between that 136, 138, which is where I need to be. Um, still increasing endurance and all these other things which, and not, and not getting injured. So, but yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm so, I'm getting really excited about this all coming up. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I'm getting really excited to get a haircut. 
starting to look like Mike. Can't have that happen. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I, I'm excited when um, the other thing that I do for recovery is sports massage. I'm really excited for when that can all officially come back and start getting into that because that's one of my biggest recovery tools over the past year is seeing a sports massage therapist who who just looks at me and he's like, "All right, what'd you do this time?" And I tell him, and just like, "All right, we know what we're gonna do." Um, but other than that, coming up too, you know, I mentioned the Star Horse. There's some Star Horses coming up in August. You know, 12 miles will be fun. And then I'm still working with the team that in November, we're going to go to Washington, D.C. and do what's called the Wrecking World Championships this year. Um, and that's like a Star Horse on a bigger scale. So we'll do, it's like, I think it's, it's still 50 miles in, tw- in 20 hours. And I've done the 50-mile Star Horses in Seattle two years in a row. And I'm really excited to go to D.C. and do it on a bigger scale. So, so my current is 28 miles in a day. I haven't been able to, to push over that yet. But uh, this summer, Mike and I are training for, I guess, the Seattle Marathon now since everything else has been canceled. Um, we, had, we had one in June. We were going to do yep. two, possibly three marathons this year, spread them out three months apart. And his goal was to be under six hours by the Seattle Marathon at the end of November. Um, that's kind of our our target. If we can get that on a marathon, we can do an ultra race. We can do a 30-miler. You know, we can hopefully push to a 50. But if we can't yeah. get under six hours, you, you, just, you don't make any of the time hacks. So that's been our big push. Right. Um, you know, his first, first marathon was, what, about nine, nine and a half hours. And his mm-hmm. second one, he got got down to eight and a half. Um, I finished, I was very angry because officially I wanted to be done in seven hours and 30 minutes. And, and my watch said seven hours and 30 minutes, but the printout they gave me showed seven hours and 31 minutes. <laughs> so officially hey, I, mi- I missed. Last year. That wasn't, that was me and Kimberly last year. I think I missed my goal time by like less than five minutes on that super. And I was pissed. On that, but, Kim- you know, that Kimberly course is no joke. Um, <laughs> that Kimberly course is, I was actually sad to not see it on the schedule this year. Um, yeah, yeah. Kimberly, uh, I have a love hate relationship with that course, but yeah, it, it's, it's a killer. Hopefully they'll bring it back. Uh, this is the first year where Spartan worldwide has taken back Spartan Canada. And, uh, right. that's why it was a, a very limited race schedule this year as they were figuring things out. And, uh, Hopefully next year they get that going again. Otherwise, uh, yeah, I'm looking at trying to get over to like Calgary, doing some stuff at the with X Warrior over there with the uh, what mm-hmm. was that the Olympic Park there where they're doing stuff. Yeah, so, the that'd be Park. real interesting. Yep. I yep. I I really do hope they bring some of the Canadian stuff back. Yep, it'll be um, a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, timing wise, this year if everything's open, the weekend that you're doing your team assessment is also. I believe the Whistler race up in Canada. So maybe I'll get up there for a Spartan in Canada. We'll see. Yeah. Um, there's just, you know, a lot of the Spartans are, you know, of course, not going to happen this year. But yeah, unfortunately. So what I've started doing I is know, I just, as you say, I just started with December and I'm working my way backwards. I'm posting you know, all the, the race events for West Coast Spartans, West Coast Obstacles and, uh, and Beastnet working together as a team. Um, so I'm posting all those in reverse order, starting with December. And then myself, I've just started signing up for all my races. Because when Spartan has to cancel or postpone one, they're really taking care of people. Um, 
think I ended up with two extra races when they had to cancel the sprint and the super this this spring. And, you know, I've got a whole bunch of race credits out there now, and I just keep signing up for them and giving them my 25 bucks a pop. <laughs> that's what it works out to now. But, yeah. uh, but I figure if I start with December and work backwards, eventually that gap will narrow and I'll start to know what's actually happening. Right. I was just looking at the Gurukh kind of scheduled around Seattle, um, and everything through August is now canceled officially. Um, but in December, you know, there's a couple coming up that should be a lot of fun, so that'll be good. It's like a, it's a tough and a light, which is it's a 12-hour event, or you can do the light, which is like four to six, coming up at the end of December. Sorry, December fourth and fifth, and then there's another one in Bremerton coming up at the end of October. So I'm pretty sure those will still go on. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, there's not a whole lot out there at this point, just because we don't really know how much we're going to be able to do. So yeah, see the, the rec event on the fourth and fifth, I'm sure Mike and I will not uh, be able to participate because the Seattle uh, marathon is the 29th of November the weekend right before it. So oh, unfortunately, see, just, and I can't, <laughs> I want to come do the marathon with you guys and then just go into like that weekend, but I'm sure I'd probably get some crap for that one. Yeah, I mean, luckily your fitness level is currently you know, exceeding ours. Hopefully we can catch up to you. It's just going to take a little bit of time. We let ourselves go a little too long. Well, and that's the thing, you know, I, I think, and, and I did post something about this the other day and it's, it's kind of raw, but a lot of people have been really concerned about their fitness levels dropping during the virus time. And I'm I'm in that group with everyone else. I'm paranoid because of what I have coming up. Um, but really, as long as you're training, as long as you're setting aside that little bit of time, it doesn't matter if it's 20, 30 minutes or if it's an hour. You know, Gorex posting garage gym workouts every day that are 10 to 15 minutes long. And it's normally three movements, and you just do as many rounds as you can in 10 to 15 minutes. It's stuff like that, you know, and they have the hashtag keep training or um, rough workout at home. And that's kind of where I've had to go to is to say, you know, this time is lonely training because, I mean, like you said, you're not out with your normal people. You're not with everyone like you normally would be. And you really have to fight to train sometimes. But having those 10 to 15 minute little things that you can do during the day, I mean, honestly, I was on a really boring meeting a couple weeks ago and I'm like I need to work on my hand release push-ups for my PT test so during our long meeting I was on mute and I dropped down like three times and did a few good hand release push-ups it's finding that little stuff during the day um and then reaching out too man you know I I I know I've talked to a couple of people that just like the isolation has been getting to people and you know and Mike did the interview with Lisa last week on here that I listened to and it's tough and it's hitting everybody in different ways. It is. Uh, so, as all that was really starting up, uh, Mike and I and and Lisa and Jody and some others came up with that group, the Survivors on Facebook, and yeah. it's just all of us trying to get through the day. Um, I know I saw, I believe it was you posted a, a Zoom meeting for people just to touch yeah. up and and talk and and have some connection. Some of these people are are completely isolated. And and not able to yeah, go out at all. We're starting that on Sundays, um, actually here in a couple hours. And I got the idea because uh, the rec group I work with called Travel Squad started doing Friday happy hour. 
And the first Friday happy hour we did was so refreshing. It was people sitting around at Friday at 7 o'clock. Everybody had a drink in their hand. Everybody was just needing that interaction because we're so used to being at events or something with each other. Um, and then I I messaged a few people. And while was, actually it was one of these things I was out on, I think like a six-mile rock, and I was kind of, my mind was wandering. And I messaged a few people. I'm like, hey, what do you guys think about doing this? You know, getting a few of us together and just, just talking on Zoom, like seeing people's faces. and like, yeah, let's do it. Uh, so we did it last week, and it worked pretty well. Um, I'm going to do it again, just kind of keep it up as much as people want to do it. I don't have a problem hosting it. Um, but, yeah, even I found out, and it helped, too, because we had um, Alex put together a PT assessment call one day, on like one Saturday, to go over the PT requirements for team assessment. And just having somebody interact with me and critique me about what my squat clean looked like or what, what my handless push-up looked like. And like, that was amazing just to have that interaction for a while. Um, so, yeah, just any of the stuff right now. And, you know, training alone is not fun. But, you know, just getting that little bit out there and doing what you can and, you know, just reaching out to people like, hey, are you okay? You know, hey, what's going on? That kind of stuff. That's, that's always huge during this time. Yeah, I've been uh, personally posting that up you know, occasionally on Facebook and reaching out to people that I know struggle with it directly um and it's funny whenever i post up there hey friday check-in how's everyone doing all of a sudden my box just lights up and everything lights up and i've got 10 conversations going on with everybody just because they needed a reason to talk well and it helps too to and for people saying you know don't try and be the i don't know try and be tough guy at this because i mean that's what's gotten me into a lot of trouble like i for a few weeks of this i tried to tough it out um, and then I started having meltdowns. I started having meltdowns with, with Barrett, my coach. Like I, I, I lost it with him one day. I'm like, I can't do this with you anymore. I can't train like this. And basically told him I wasn't even good enough to be training at one point. I mean, it was pretty bad. Um, and it was, you were, I think it was somebody else who posted like, how are you doing? I'm like, dude, I'm struggling. I'm trying to get the motivation to keep training. I'm trying to get the motivation, like to do everything I got to get done. And it's just not there. And it's, it's opening up to people and saying, Hey, I might be the tough guy sometimes, but right now it's not really happening. So Yeah, that episode from Lisa, that's why, I, I don't know if you read the liner notes, it just has one line that says, I just need a hug. Because that's, uh, that's the big thing yeah. that yeah, every event we do, every every time we're at a race or something, it's hugs and high fives and, and talking and chatting and just super social, like family engagement. And and now we can't even, you know, give a fist bump without people questioning our sanity. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's really been tough. You know, I've, I've actually met up with a couple of people and done some, you know, hikes and everything lately. And that's helped a lot with my own sanity. But it's it's really hard when you're, like you said, you're at races or you're at events and you're used to having that camaraderie. And then now you don't as much or you can't go up and give somebody a hug or anything and it's just weird um what actually really hit me too was my some people know both of my girls are in girl scouts and we went to go return cookies one day and my youngest tried to accidentally she went up and tried to go give one of the other co-leaders a hug and i had to stop her and i had to remind her of like what was going on and like just the look of sad on her face was it, it was hard to watch but you know she she kind of understood she's like okay i get it but but <laughs> And that same thing, I think in the positive on this, 
as much as we're talking about how it's negatively affecting people, I think a lot of people are learning that they can really do a lot of help. Yeah, that's the big thing. They have the capabilities to get this done. Yeah, one of my one of my friends posted at the end of this: Are you gonna, you know, join back up with the gym, or are you just gonna continue training by yourself? And and I watched her post, and there was a lot of people that were like, "I don't know what I've been paying a gym for. I've got all the equipment at the house. Why am I not just using it?" Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's been definitely a shift. I mean, I probably will go back to a gym, especially like my the Boeing gym where I work. Um, and some afternoon training, but I probably won't spend as much time there anymore because I know now, like, as long as I can make sure that I stick to my plan and I get out and get done when I need to get done in a day, then I'm good. Um, and I think, too, the other thing that at least around my house has happened was my husband and my, my kids, I would talk about what I was like training wise, what I'd be doing. But it wasn't until they would see every day I go out for a rucker run. And every day I go out in the afternoons and I train for a couple hours. They never saw, I think they see it now, what I'm actually doing and like what toll it's taking. Because you can hear me say it, but when you actually see that at, you know, one thirty, two o'clock every day, I'm back outside or at least, you know, two, three times a week, I'm back outside doing more work or I'm running every day or I'm working every day. It puts a whole different perspective on what even my own family knows about what this training has entailed. And by the time we step off, most of us who've been training for team assessment will have been training for almost a year. So it's a, it's going to be a big thing. And I think right now we're all kind of seeing our families are seeing a lot more of what we're doing and how, how it really does affect you. Yeah. Talking about training and watching training or participating are very, very different. So that's definitely right. something that, that everybody's eyes, you know, and, and, you know, on the Facebook world, I know I see you post from time to time about what you're doing to train and stuff. And that's, that's really cool because that, that hopefully will inspire somebody else or, or make a, a better connection when, when you meet somebody in person, they'll be like, oh man, I saw you doing this. And, you know, because of you, I tried this or something. That's, that's the really cool thing about social media right now. While we're physically distancing, we can still socially connect. Right. And that's actually something I've kind of had to fight through is when to post and when not to. Um, because, like, I could post something and know that maybe it's not, like, not all my reps are, on it are clean like I need to be and just have to accept that. Um, but I don't want to post. I, I go back and forth between posting the raw stuff and posting what's actually real. Um, and so I'm getting a little bit better, especially I post more on Instagram uh, that I do on Facebook because if not, people on Facebook would think that literally all I do is train and that's not the case. Um, but I will post at least once a week about, you know, some of the stuff we're doing, uh, some of the training plan stuff and, you know, just continuing just to not give up, keep training, don't give up because yep. it doesn't matter what goal you're working for. Just keep that in mind. So how do people find you on Instagram since you, you brought it up? Usually that's one of the things that I kind of close um, out with. Yeah, so I'm at Spartan Rucker, and that Instagram account um, right now is pretty much dedicated to training for team assessment, um, the work that's going into it, some of the food stuff. Um, there's also a segment, a lot of posts right now about my 10-year-old daughter and what she thinks of this all. Um, I've given her a voice on this account only because it's kind of interesting to hear her thoughts on it, and it's normally hashtag my mom is crazy type things. Um, like last week when I did 
uh, a lap around my block with a 50-pound rock, and then I'd grab a 50-pound sandbag and do a lap. She's like, I cannot believe you would just carry 100 pounds. She's like, you ran with it, right? I said, no, I can't run with it. And then in her video, she says, really? Because if there was a patch, you'd probably try and run with 100 pounds. I'm like, okay. But she calls me out. She has some fun with it. And, you know, it's good to her for her to see it. Yeah, it's funny that you bring that up because I just changed my Facebook picture back to uh, a couple weeks ago. I had my 40-pound vest on, and I was carrying my sandbag around the neighborhood my daughter actually got a couple real good shots of me so i was like man i'm gonna i'm proud of that i'm gonna put that up yeah and that's the other thing is like that's i'm proud of what she thinks of it because if you know kind of going into any of these longer events they always say you have to have your why and part of my why has always been my kids my my why is always kind of tied to showing them that it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter how old you are if you want something and you're going, if you're, if you have a goal, it doesn't matter. Just go and get it. You know, it can be, it's going to be hard. There's going to be a lot of work to it, but nothing says that you can't achieve something you want. So, you know, kind of go in team assessment. They're part of it to show them, Hey, I'm not your typical gymnastics mom. I don't drink wine. I don't wear dresses ever, but I'm going to go out there and show you another side of it. And I'm proud of it. And it's it's amazing to watch. Um, I, I I like watching the Instagram and the Facebook feed, and hopefully our listeners, uh, if they're not already following you, that they start now. Uh, yeah, and once again, if anybody has any questions about this stuff, I mean, Don, you've known I I'm always up to answering questions about the stuff. If I don't know an answer, I know a bunch of contacts who probably do. Um, if you're just interested in starting to ruck more or do something, hit me up. Let's talk. Um, because I'm about, I'm as open as I can be about things about, you know, I, I was joking with a friend of mine, like I turned 40 this year and I'm going after some stupid hard events. Let's talk. He's like, Oh, I can't do that. I'm like, that's BS. Yeah. Can't is one of the two C words. Exactly. I don't know if you, I'm sure you've trained, you've trained with Brandon. So you know what I mean by the the two C words. They don't exist in his vocabulary. (laughs) So, yep, I know exactly what you're talking about. One of these days, so. we actually need to start assigning burpees based on the number of uses. Maybe uh, start doing a game where, where maybe during an episode we put on there the number of times somebody says the word can't, you have to do five burpees per or something. <laughs> oh, that would be a good one. That would be a good one for sure. Yeah, eating, eating with Brandon's fun too, because you have to do burpees before you're allowed to eat. So, yeah, I've been on a few road trips with them and I've seen it. Yeah. It's fun. So you kind of, you hit the closing thoughts there when you were talking about the why. Um, is there anything else that you want to say to the listeners yeah. right now? No, um, I guess, you know, hit me up if you have questions. Um, I encourage everyone, if you're interested in what team assessment is going to be, to watch the uh, Facebook live stream. That's probably one of the things I'm most excited about and most terrified about is watch is having people watch us. Um, but yeah, hit me up. Any questions, any thoughts on it, I'd be happy to answer them. Um, so, yeah, I'm just, I, I'm excited to, I'm excited to go to Ohio and just get it done. No matter what the outcome is, I'm going to go into this knowing that I've trained my butt off. My partner has trained her butt off. And we're not, we may not win, but we're out there to finish this thing. Well, and I know, knowing you, that you're going to give it your all. and then some 
So it's uh, it's going to be a, a fun one to watch live streaming as long as I'm not on the side of a mountain. Might have to catch it on the replay. <laughs> yeah. Well. But, yeah. I'll, I'll be I'll be posting a lot up until that day, and then I'll I'll be going dark as far as Instagram account probably for about four days during yeah. it. But yeah. So we start on the seventeenth. We finish on the nineteenth, and I fly back home on the twentieth. <laughs> so I'm excited. That flight home is going to be really tough on your body when you go to get out of that flight chair. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at tr- possibly trying to fly back first class just so I have some extra room. <laughs> Probably not a bad idea. So, yeah. yeah. Well, but, yeah, if you have questions about anything coming up, a go work events, definitely hit me up. Working, training. Yeah, let's talk. Perfect. And don't forget, listeners out there, yeah, just because of COVID-19, you're not alone out there. You've got all of us here on Facebook and Instagram. You can always join up with the survivors group on Facebook or maybe join in on one of our Zoom weekly touch meetings on uh, Sunday afternoons at 4 Pacific. So follow it up on Facebook and and let's uh, let's make sure that we're all surviving and we're all good together. Thanks for listening to the BeastNet podcast. If you haven't done it yet, find us on Facebook. Like and share the podcast. Give us a review on iTunes or Spotify. All these things will help to expand the show in the future. Don't forget to subscribe and let us know what you think and what you'd like to hear. Yeah.